You are listening to the Purpose Church High School Ministry Podcast. Whether this is your first episode or you've heard them all, God has something to say to you. Our vision is to see every student everywhere following Jesus, and we hope this message helps you take your next step in your faith. To learn more about our high school ministry, visit our website, purposechurch.com HSM, and check us out on Instagram at purposehsm. We hope you enjoy today's episode. So as we jump into the book of Galatians, let me give you a little bit of context. Let me give you a little bit of background. The book of Galatians, the book of Galatians is a letter, is a letter in the New Testament. So there's the Old Testament and there's the New Testament in our Bibles. And those are broken up into 66 different books. These were written by 40 different authors over a 1,500-year time span, and they all tell the message of God. In the New Testament, you have the Gospels, which would be historical accounts of the life of Jesus. And in every single one of them, they emphasize this guy, Jesus, was different than anybody else. Because not only did he claim to be God, but he proved it by rising from the dead. And this resurrected Jesus, by the power of the Holy Spirit, began to change the course of history. And so all of a sudden, it started changing people's lives. And one of those lives that was deeply, profoundly forever changed by Jesus was a man named Paul. Paul, in fact, he was a very influential person. He was a Jewish leader that had a lot of respect, had a lot of influence. His life was very comfortable and secure. And his whole focus in life as a passionate, zealous Jew was to squash, to destroy the church. This group of people who called themselves the gathering of God's people, who who were followers of the way, who were followers of Jesus, they were upsetting the system so much so that Paul said, I'm going to squash this community. That we'll be done with them. And what was crazy is this Paul, he was on a journey to destroy the church. And then he came face to face with Jesus. And when he came face to face with Jesus, absolutely everything changed for him. And he literally, he literally went, you can find it, and it's all recorded in history, not just in the scriptures. That this guy Paul went from wanting to destroy the church to be willing to die for the church, to give up his life for the church. How do you historically explain that other than the fact that he met Jesus? Well, when he met Jesus, he started to go around and tell people about this Jesus. And how he would do that is he would go from church to church that he would kind of establish and, and get going. And as he was doing that, as he was doing that, he began writing letters to these churches. And so we have a number of these letters recorded. And what's crazy about this is this letter that we're reading that you're going to see up on the screen. And sometimes because it's in the Bible, we forget how crazy this is. But this letter that we are literally reading right now was written in the year 48 AD. We've got to have some math people. How many years old is that? If it was written in 48 AD, how, how long has this letter been in existence? Who could do the math? Who can do that? A hundred? No. Uh, Adam, how much? No, okay. I'm sorry. So, the year is 2019. This was written in 48. What's the difference? Wait, Who's got the difference for us? Adam. 19. Okay, so this letter, just think about this for a second. This letter that we are reading right now. Oh my gosh. Is 
1,971 years old. And as he was writing this letter, as he was writing this letter to this church, he was afraid. Paul was terrified. You know why Paul was terrified? Because this group of people was about to ditch and leave everything that they had been taught. See, Paul so deeply cared about these people that as he writes this letter about what it means to give your life to something bigger than yourself, he's full of anxiety and worry and concern for them. And you're going to see that as we look at this text. But just to kind of give some credibility to Paul, Paul's life was very comfortable before he knew Jesus. And then as soon as he surrendered his life to Jesus, things started to get hard. I don't want to pause there for a second, because sometimes the, the bill that we sell people is, man, if you follow Jesus, everything gets better. In some ways it does. Because all of a sudden, meaning, hope, truth, forgiveness fills your life in such a way where you don't have to carry around guilt and shame anymore. But at the same time, following Jesus is hard. It's challenging. It requires sacrifice. It costs you something. And it's always worth it. But it does challenge you. But what's crazy is Paul gave up everything. He gave him all that comfort, all that influence, all that security to follow Jesus. In fact, he was imprisoned multiple times, and in the year 68 AD, he actually died in prison. You know why he died? Because he claimed to believe that Jesus rose from the dead. He didn't die because he thought Jesus was a cool guy. He didn't die because he just offended somebody with one of his teachings. He died because he believed, because he proclaimed that God had risen from the dead. So let's jump into his letter. Find me in Galatians chapter 1, beginning in verse 1. Paul, an apostle, sent not from men, nor by a man, but by Jesus Christ and God the Father who raised him from the dead. Can we just pause there for a minute? You know what I love about Paul? Paul is so bold. Think about these words. Think about what he just said. He said, Paul, he described himself an apostle. The word apostle means sent one. Paul sent not from men nor by a man, but by Jesus Christ and God the Father who raised him from the dead. Paul is as confident and as bold as you can be, not because of his own skill set, not because of his own talents, not because of the family he was raised in, because of the income he had, not for any other reason other than the fact that he said, I because Jesus sent me here. You see, what's so incredible about Paul is that Paul understands that boldness, boldness comes not from skill or talent. Boldness comes from intimacy with God. That true boldness, in fact, this is in your notes, your boldness as a Christ follower hinges on your intimacy with God. And some of you have been following Jesus for a while. If you're not following Jesus yet and you're just checking out, we're so glad you're here. Lean into this for a second. But for those of you that are followers of Jesus, your boldness as a Christian, your boldness as somebody 
somebody who's going to share your faith, who's going to pray for people, who's going to believe God wants to work in and through your life. Your boldness in going and stepping outside of your comfort zone is directly connected to your intimacy or your closeness with God. I mean, right? That's what Paul says here. He says, I'm sent. I'm coming to this group of churches as he's writing this letter. I'm coming with a message, but the boldness I have in me does not come from myself or even any other person. It comes from God. Students, I, I've been really challenged this week because I've been even thinking about this text. That oftentimes for me, my boldness comes from the people I can see, the people I know, making sure that things feel comfortable and safe and predictable. But Paul says, no, your true boldness as a follower of Jesus, has got to be rooted in who God is, in the character of God. Students, I want to challenge you, I want to ask you, the boldness that you have right now, is it connected to God? Because if it's not, if it's just connected to a skill you have, to a talent, to an experience, to a privilege you carry, to some other facet, it will fail you, it will be fleeting. But if your boldness your boldness is truly connected to the God of the universe who created it, sustains it, holds it together, and is working in your life. That is an unshakable foundation. Paul continues. And all the brothers and sisters with me to the churches in Galatia. So he's writing to a series of churches in modern day Turkey. He says, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ who gave himself for our sins to rescue us from the present evil age according to the will of our God and Father to whom, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. Now listen to what he says. So he's writing this letter and everybody's hearing it. This is how these letters worked back in the day. Somebody would receive it. They would gather the whole church together and say, God, Paul wrote this letter. Paul, I mean, it's, it's, like, it's like the longest DM you can send, right? Like, it's like, Paul DM us, Paul DM us. Let's all get in the same room and are ready to listen to what Paul has to say. And so far, things sound really good, and then all of a sudden, Paul gets real bold. And this is what he says. I am astonished. Literally, the word means, I am disturbed. That you are so quickly deserting the one who called you to live in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. See, Paul says, I, I'm absolutely disturbed because there was a gospel shared for me. The word gospel means a, a good message. There's this gospel, this message that we share with you, and you're deserting it. You're leaving it behind. The reason Paul uses this word gospel is because gospel is centered to what it means to be a follower of Jesus. To be a follower of Jesus means that we believe wholeheartedly in the gospel, in the good news, in the good message of Jesus. But the question we need to wrestle with is what was that message? Because I wonder if sometimes we believe the gospel is Jesus is going to fix everything. Or I wonder if I sometimes think the gospel is God's going to give me a lot of money. Or the gospel is God's going to answer my prayers however I want him to. Or, or, or the gospel means that when I didn't study for the math test and I'm like, dear God, or whatever your name is, um, will you help me like, remember E equals MC squared? And he's just going to give it to you. That's the gospel. But Paul says you have forgotten what the actual 
gospel is. And in your notes I wrote, to believe in the gospel. You can fill it in there. To believe in the gospel is to trust Jesus above all else. You see, guys, the word believe in the New Testament, it doesn't just mean things that you think. To believe means to trust in. And the thing that you trust in, the thing that you trust in is real, it's tangible. You guys remember when you used to do the trust falls, right? Like, remember when you first learned about the trust fall? And like every time your friends hung out, you're like, let's do the trust fall, right? And like you get a few friends behind you, and you have that moment. My kids love this now. But here's the crazy thing. Brindley, my daughter, here's what she'll do. She will stand, like she'll climb up to like the top of a monkey bar, right? And she'll stand and she'll go, trust fall, and just literally like fall back. And she'll just do that. And I'm literally, I, I've had someone like multiple times, I'm like, Brindle, you gotta wait for me to be there. Like, trust fall, you can't rely on a trust fall if dad's not there. Like, it's not okay, it's not gonna work for you. You gotta wait for dad to be there. But here's the thing, Brindley is so bold with her life. She'll literally climb up and she'll go, trust fall, and she'll just fall back. She has this like deep trust, and you see, to, to, to believe that I'm going to catch her means that she's willing to fall into my arms. You see, it's a, it's a perfect illustration of what the word belief means. Sometimes we just get it all mixed up and think to believe something means we think things. But in the scriptures, to believe things means we trust, means we rely on, means it actually changes us. It means that when we're at a party and we want to hook up with that guy or girl, we don't just believe in Jesus on Sundays. We trust in him for our worth and value. And so we say no to temptations because we believe and trust in Jesus. You see, to, to believe. Thank you, Joseph. Where have you been all that? To believe in Jesus. To believe in Jesus is to absolutely trust him. With every part of me, that's what the gospel means. But the question you should be asking is, well, what actually is the gospel, and why should I actually believe it? And here is the quickest version of that. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, beginning in verse 1. Now, brothers and sisters, this is Paul again. I want to remind you of the gospel I preached to you, which you received and on which you have taken your stand. By this gospel you are saved. So Paul says, what I'm about to share with you, this is where salvation comes from. This is where something, this is where you become redeemed by God, you become forgiven by God, your life is changed by God, and you ultimately spend eternity with God because of the truth of this thing. He says, this is the gospel. If you hold firmly to the word I preach to you, otherwise you have believed in vain. For what I received, I passed on you as of first importance. So, two things about the gospel. Number one is this. It is the only thing that saves us. Your income the family you come from, your ethnicity, what you want to do as a job someday, how well you do in school this next year, none of it has the power to save you. The only thing that has the power to save you is what Paul says, I am passing on to you. This is not Paul's own ideas. This is what he received. And this is what he says. Christ died for our sins, according to the scriptures. He was buried, and he was raised on the third day. If you're filling out the notes, what is the gospel? Jesus died for our sins, Jesus was buried, and Jesus was resurrected. 
Now what's crazy is in that simple statement we understand so much about God. Number one, he died for us because he loves us. This means that even when you feel like nobody loves you, when you feel like nobody cares about you, God, in the creation of the world, and particularly 2,000 years ago, made it absolutely evident to every single person that he loves you enough to be willing to die. So you are loved and you are valued. And it's not because anybody says that you are. And you are not, I don't know this word, you're not unvalued because somebody calls you a name or views your friend group or where you come from as a negative thing. You are valued and loved because God looked at you and said you're worth dying for. I've been telling this to Brimley recently because um, there's been these moments where Brimley has just said, um, and she's five, so she'll never know I said this before, but Brimley, she'll literally just be like, she'll be like, Daddy, I don't like that person. And I'm like, oh my gosh, we're raising a serial killer. This is crazy, right? What are we doing? But this is what we've been telling you. This is what we've been telling you. Do you know why we love all people? Here's why we love every person. This is why we are called love every person. Because number one, Jesus created every person. Number two, Jesus died for every person. And number three, Jesus commands us to love every person. And so we, thank you, So students, the gospel is that you are loved by God. So much so that he died for you. Number two, Jesus was buried. You know what that means? That means he was actually there. He didn't fake his death, right? He wasn't up there like, oh, this hurts. Ah, um, everyone close your eyes. And then like ran away. You know what I mean? Ah. Like, he literally died for you. Can you just pause on that for a second? Everyone close your eyes. Close your eyes for a second. You. Like you. The person you are. You know how messy and strange you are, right? We all are strange and messy. Jesus knew you, died for you, was buried for you, we did not fake it. He did not take the easy way out in loving you. He didn't love you at a convenient level. He loved you at an all-sacrificial giving level. So Jesus was buried. And then number three, you can open your eyes. The best part of the story is that death could not hold him down. Death could not keep him. In fact, he rose from the grave. And you know what that does? That validates every single thing that he said. So you're going to read things that Jesus teaches, and you're going to go, I don't like that. And you know what? That's okay. It's okay to admit that. But we don't trust him, believe him, allow his words to shape our lives because he had a nice message. I'm not saying Jesus didn't have a nice message. He had a great message. But the reason I believe in Jesus is not because of everything that he said. It's because he died and rose from the dead. And if you can predict your own death and resurrection and pull it off, I'm inclined to believe in it. <laughs> and so when Jesus died and he rose from the dead, he proved that you and I could trust him. And that means when we read his word, we, we take in his commandments, we can trust them, we can fall into them, we can let our lives be shaped by them, because he actually rose from the dead. And how can you have confidence that he rose from the dead? Here's four reasons, and I'm just going to breeze through each in like ten seconds. Number one, he appeared to Peter. 
Peter, history tells us, was crucified upside down. You know why he was crucified upside down? Because he believed that Jesus rose from the dead. Why in the world would Peter be willing to be crucified upside down if he actually didn't see Jesus rise from the dead? Number two, Jesus also appeared to more than 500 of the brothers and sisters at the same time, most of whom are still living, though some fall asleep. Paul says, there's 500 other people that when Jesus came back from the dead, it wasn't like people were just whispering like, I think he's back, maybe he's back, I don't know, you guys think he's back? No, he actually came back and there's 500 people, Jesus, or Paul says, and he says, you can still talk to him. Number three, though, uh, number three, then he appeared to James. I love it includes James. The James that it's referring to here is Jesus' brother. You know, Jesus' brother, before Jesus rose from the dead, he, every time you read about James, the brother of Jesus in the Gospels, do you know what he's doing? He's trying to convince Jesus. He's like, Jesus, you belong in the living dead. Come on, we need to go. Like, you're crazy, Jesus. Come on. He's literally trying to convince Jesus to stop preaching, to stop doing ministry. But then James, the actual brother of Jesus, sees his brother come back to life, and he's like, oh, snap. Like, this is real. So much so that James was taken to the top of the temple, and during a change of power in the Sanhedrin Council, which is like a Jewish religious group, there's a change of power, and there's not as much accountability for this short season of time, and they hated James' message so much that they took him to the top of his temple, and they pushed him off. And he fell off from about two stories, hit the ground. His body is nearly paralyzed, and a mob of people surround him, and they beat him until he's dead. And you know why they beat him? It's not because Jesus had a nice message. It's because James proclaimed boldly that Jesus rose from the dead. And then the last bit of evidence, Paul says, and last of all, Jesus appeared to me. Paul's own life. He's saying, look, he appeared to Peter. Peter was willing to crucify him upside down for Jesus. He appeared to 500. You can go talk to him right now. He appeared to James, his own brother. We remember what happened to James. And lastly, he appeared to me. And before I met Jesus, I thought everything was great in my life. It was very comfortable. But now, my life is far from comfort, but it is full of meaning and significance that no comfort could ever so students, what I want you to do is I want you to jump back into your small group time. And I want you to wrestle with this idea of the gospel. What is the gospel? Do you believe in the gospel? And how are you not just believing in your head, but how are you trusting your life into the hands of Jesus and into his gospel? I'm going to pray, but before I pray, um, if you are a freshman, if you could just stay here once everyone else heads to their small groups, if you could stay here, we've got groups for you. I just want to communicate about that. So let me pray first. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for our time together as a community. Thank you that the true gospel is that Jesus died for us. He was buried, like really dead. But then that wasn't the end of the story. That you got, you came back. That you defeated death. That we can be absolutely forgiven. We can trust that you paid for our forgiveness. It is a proof of the resurrection. And God, I pray that our lives would forever be changed and would forever revolve around the truth that you 
you can be trusted. That you, God, can give us everything we need. And that your gospel is trustworthy. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.